With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Oracle Speaks. I am your host, The Village Elliot. We attempt to tell you about the past, the present, and the future of the Cleveland Browns, the amazing football team that is currently in a race for the playoffs. Playoffs, yes, the playoffs in the National Football League, the American Football Conference. Uh, Today's topic is Joe Flacco. I want to talk about the difference in culture between Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, ooh, I hate the Baltimore Ravens, uh, but also the New York Jets. You know, I hate the Jets too, not because they've done anything really bad to me, but I just think that that's an organization that has really succeeded the Cleveland Browns in being the craziest organization in football. It used to be us, really, but... The Jets have really picked up all the bad habits that the Cleveland Browns used to have, and they've really outdone us, I think. They've done everything wrong with the quarterback position, and, um, well, we'll just talk about that. Now, first, though, I have a couple of things I want to take care of on the agenda. First, I want to have a shout-out to uh, Freesound Music for providing the music on our show. They are a royalty-free, no copyright music service. You guys are awesome. Also, I wanted to ask your opinion, fans. What do you like? Do you like these uh, old-style glasses with the round frames, the Harry Potter-style glasses? Or I've been oftentimes, most of the time, using the orange glasses, the aviator style. I kind of like these because they're orange and the Cleveland Browns colors are orange and brown, of course. And so you know that it has to do with Cleveland. So you like these? Or what about the round frames? These are kind of of brown and orange. Uh, Which ones are better? So give a vote. You can vote on uh, Twitter at THVillageElliot at THVillageElliot or shoot me a line through other ways in social media. Uh, We have our own Facebook page now, by the way. I set it up for um, the Oracle Speaks. You can just search on that in Facebook, and you're more than welcome to post there. Post your own stuff if you want, um, and comment on today's episode if you like. So, okay, what about today's episode? Um, Joe Flacco has apparently used a time machine, maybe he borrowed that from Doctor Who or something, but he's come back 
to have some success that he hasn't had in like 10 years and suddenly he's like Joe Flacco of old, or at least that's the narrative. I'm not sure I completely agree with that narrative, but there may be reasons why it appears that way, and we'll just talk about that story and what's true about it, what's not true. But I think there is a kernel of truth to why the Browns are doing a few things right. And let me tweak this a little bit. This camera's a little bit off kilter. There we go. Um, all right, then, you know, there's also, uh, you know, what happened to Joe in, in New York? Joe, when we lost, uh, last saw him, was having a big game against the Cleveland Browns in 2022. That was just last year. He threw for 300 yards against us and beat us in a last-minute game to open the season, broke our hearts, and... What happened after that? We'll talk about that. He also um, had a brief cup of coffee with uh, the Denver Broncos, but at that time the whole team was really struggling. I don't know if that's really Joe Flacco's fault, but we'll talk about that also. So how do quarterbacks go from being franchise quarterbacks to becoming totally irrelevant? Well, that happens in the NFL. Quarterbacks, in my opinion, get too much credit when the team wins, and they get too much blame when the team loses. And um, I've said it many times, I don't believe that there is such a thing as a franchise quarterback, or at least there isn't unless you actually have a solid franchise behind him. As for Mr. Flacco, he was... Uh, drafted in the first round back in 2008 by the Baltimore Ravens. He was uh, excellent in his first year, led the team to an 11-5 record, and uh, threw uh, for, actually didn't throw that much. It was a run-first team. He threw for 2,971 yards, so less than 3,000 yards. He had 14 touchdown passes versus 12 interceptions. That's kind of mediocre. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, the team won, okay? So he did the job, wasn't great, but what the heck. Uh, and then, you know, he got progressively better and continued to up his yardage. Uh, the next season, he threw for 3,600 yards and um, then 21 touchdown passes versus 12 interceptions. And let's see, what was his peak year? 2014. He had 27 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. So he seemed to be kind of stuck on 12 interceptions. But okay, so he had uh, some very good seasons, and uh, the Ravens were just very, very tough uh, in those days. And um, he was a Super Bowl MVP. Can't take that away from him. And let me scroll down. Um, dum, dum, dum. Okay. It's, okay, so 2012 NFL Super Bowl MVP. Not bad. But, um, yeah, so that was a long time ago. And then he continued to play in the league for, um, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 more years and uh, didn't make it back to the Super Bowl ever again. So, 
Okay, now what happened in uh, 2018? That was the year that all these fantastic uh, quarterbacks came out, and there was a big debate about who was the best quarterback. At that time, and by the way, my blog is still up. It's called the Village Elliott Sports Blog. And uh, at that time, I thought that Josh Allen was the best quarterback available, and I made the comment that I thought he was worth six number one draft picks. And, you know, people ask me, well, why are you so high on, on Baker Mayfield? Um, I thought you said that um, you like Josh Allen. I said, yeah, well, Baker Mayfield is worth four number one dra draft picks, but Josh Allen is worth six. Um, I will confess, however, that I overrated uh, Josh Rosen, uh, I'm flabbergasted that uh, a guy with his arm uh, couldn't make it in the NFL. I mean, not make it at all, really. Um, then, you know, there's also the uh, uh, incredible story of Sam Darnold. Um, I still don't admit that, that Sam Darnold is a bad quarterback because if you look at his career, what did he do wrong? Well, he couldn't turn around the New York Jets and he also failed with the Carolina Panthers. I'm not sure that that's a fair test. Now, those of you who believe that the success of the offense only depends upon the quarterback will say that, oh, those teams didn't achieve anything on offense, and so it must be the quarterback's fault. Okay, fine. If you want to believe that, fine. But I don't believe that those teams were any good on offense, and... The uh, quarterback alone is not sufficient to turn that around. So I don't think it's ever been tested. Now, it just so happens that Sam Darnold is a backup quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers. And if called upon, my thought is that uh, Mr. Darnold might be pretty good if they need him. I'm not so sure that um, he's as bad as people think. I think you might be surprised at what happens if Flacco has all those tools to work with that he, he would have in San Francisco if called upon. So we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. All right. So uh, before we go any further, I want to take some time for a break. A commercial break. Uh, we're very grateful once again for our many sponsors on some of the different platforms and also very grateful to the many fans that are tuning in. Our sponsorship is going up and listenership is going up game after game this season and uh, Browns have been very very good to us. So we'll pause uh, for count of five for those platforms that are uh, being commercially supported. Okay, and we're back. And this time I think I counted down from five properly. It's pretty bad. You know, an Air Force guy should be able to at least count five, four, three, two, one, um, blast off. Uh, last time I counted five, three, two, one. Uh, that wasn't so good. But okay, here we are. Let's talk about the 2018 season. Um, Lamar Jackson comes to town 
as part of that draft hall in 2018, which was laden with quarterbacks. The comment that I had in 2018 about Lamar Jackson was that I thought he was a very capable quarterback, deserved to be a first-round draft pick, but, 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 but whoever took him would be best served by refocusing its offense or changing its offensive scheme to take full advantage of Lamar Jackson's dual threat capabilities. In other words, acknowledge the fact that Lamar Jackson can run. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't throw. That's not what I said. But you have to be an idiot. You have to be an idiot to not realize that Lamar Jackson can run with the football. He can, uh, he can throw while running, and that opens up some possibilities on offense that other quarterbacks simply cannot do. And I've often made the comment that if you have a Lamar Jackson offense, and you know, what if you traded uh, Tom Brady for Lamar Jackson? Well, Tom Brady could not run Lamar Jackson's offense. Now, Lamar Jackson might not be as good as Tom Brady in uh, the New England Patriots offense either. But the point is, is that there are, are special things that Lamar Jackson can do in the offense that's designed to take advantage of his special abilities. And, you know, there's, there's no, uh, it's neither good nor bad. It's just that he has a different skill set that other quarterbacks do not have. He's got that additional gear where he can gain seven yards on the ground, and other quarterbacks don't do that. <coughs> so, <coughs> So sue me. I had I wrote up that article um, um, in 2018 where I called Lamar Jackson already in his rookie year the greatest dual threat quarterback in NFL history, and it was an easy prediction to make. Some Baltimore fan uh, uh, wrote to me and said that that was an insult, and I said, "Well, look, if the worst insult that Lamar Jackson ever gets is that some Cleveland sports writer called him the greatest dual threat quarterback of all time, I think he's probably going to have a pretty good career." And I think I pretty much called it. But okay, all right. So anyway, that's that's Lamar Jackson. That's what happened in Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not get the starting job right away. They, they stuck with Joe Flacco and introduced a Lamar Jackson package. Um, and, uh, and that worked, uh, worked well for a while. And, uh, then Lamar Jackson at age 21 became the starting quarterback, led them to the playoffs in his rookie year at age 21, the only 21 year old quarterback uh, that had a winning record. Um, Bernie Kosar, by the way, also uh, led the team into the playoffs, but it was Gary Danielson that got the winning record. Kosar, I think, was 5-7 and seven or something like that, but they were able to get in the playoffs with an 8-8 eight and eight record, and um, uh, Bernie played well against the Miami Dolphins, but the Browns dropped that game. But okay, so that that's what happened in Baltimore, is that... Uh, it wasn't that Flacco did anything really necessarily wrong, but they had the opportunity to obtain a great quarterback, and I do mean to use the word great to describe Lamar Jackson. And uh, let me dink with this microphone here, excuse me. And uh, so 
you know, that's just the way that it went. This is, I don't I don't think that um, Baltimore wanted to draft Lamar Jackson. They didn't go into the draft with the idea that they were going to take him. Um, but when he dropped uh, so far into the draft, they couldn't let him uh, go undrafted. They had to take him. Uh, it was crazy that he dropped so far. And so they made a deal in order to move up and take him at the end of the first round. Uh, and it was a brilliant move. Um, so, you know, that's how that happened. And um, so um, then they decided, well, okay, we're going to trade Joe Flacco. Uh, and uh, Flacco moved on to become the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos for a while, but they were a terrible team. Um, Flacco's record in Denver was not really very good. In fact, he lost four straight games for them, and then he was out. Um, you can blame Flacco if you want. I, again, don't think that it's all the quarterback's fault. I think it, a lot of it had to do with just having a bad team in Denver that particular season. And uh, so in any case, uh, that was that. And uh, so, all right, so where is the next move for Joe Flacco? Well, he goes to the fabulous New York Jets, that offensive powerhouse with uh, Super Bowl ambitions every year. They firmly believe that they have the offense that will go to the Super Bowl, and they only need one player. They only need that quarterback that franchise quarterback that will take them to the Super Bowl. That's what they truly believe in New York. And uh, if uh, Flacco doesn't take him to the Super Bowl, it's his fault. And all right, so what happened in 2020? Uh, he went 0-3. That was his fault. He, he's therefore the uh, backup quarterback uh, to Sam Darnold. Um, and um, that's another hint, by the way, that Sam Darnold might not be as bad as you think because Flacco didn't do any good for them either. And they eventually decide that um, they're going to get this kid, Zach Wilson, who is a surefire success uh, because he played at Brigham Young, and um, Steve Young played at Brigham Young, so... Obviously, any quarterback that played at Brigham Young must be a Hall of Famer. Um, of course, Steve Young also played in the USFL for a couple years and then rode the bench behind Montana before he became a starter. So he didn't go from Brigham Young to the NFL and start immediately. But, um, but in New York Jets mentality, you don't need to have any time at all, you should just be able to uh, come out of uh, college. You know, it doesn't have to be major college. You should be able to start right away, and you should be a franchise quarterback and have immediate impact. Uh, I don't know whether Zach Wilson can play quarterback or not. I suspect that if uh, he were allowed to develop as a backup, um, by age uh, 26, he probably would be pretty good, but there is no way that he can be allowed to develop in New York. It's just not going to happen. The 
they have nothing but soap opera for quarterbacks in New York. The greatest soap opera of all is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we learned that uh, as in my time, this is being recorded in advance. Aaron Rodgers yesterday uh, announced that he's being activated to the roster, but he's not going to play. You know, at the beginning of the season, I I predicted that, you know, there were signs, and I could cite the analytics, you know, uh, that showed that he was really aging at a normal rate for a quarterback, um, and um, that uh, he, he's not Tom Brady. He's, he's just not Tom Brady. And he wasn't going to be able to do the things that he did when he was younger, you know. And speaking of dual threats, he was a very good runner when he was younger. But as he aged, he got slower and slower, and the running totals went lower and lower. And you can just see that by looking at the stats, that he can't run anymore. And, uh, you know, the arm strength is still there, and he's still able to complete passes and stuff. But, you know, even that, you know, is starting to go in his last year at Green Bay. And, um, you know, they become injury-prone at that point. And uh, he's a year older than Flacco, by the way. And, um, um, of course, I would not dare to suggest that an Achilles tendon injury could at all be age-related. And surely he'll recover and be just as good as new, and he'll never be injured again. And, by the way, you know, he had a calf injury uh, that bothered him all during training camp. Now, Joe Flacco has a calf injury, and we're told not to worry about that. Um, those are the kinds of things that happen to uh, quarterbacks in their late 30s. It wouldn't shock me one little tiny bit if Dorian Thompson-Robinson isn't called upon uh, later this season. And I, I do think that he's probably a pretty good quarterback. But the point is that the Browns quarterback situation, the atmosphere that the Browns have created for quarterbacks, is nowhere near as screwed up as uh, the New York Jets. I view that uh, the uh, forces that led Joe Flacco to leave Baltimore were not really his fault, but I don't fault Baltimore's management either. I think that the emergence of Lamar Jackson was just sort of a force of nature that nobody really planned and nobody really caused to happen. They just couldn't resist drafting him when the opportunity arose, and they were right about that. Uh, the uh, Denver Broncos were just really bad, and uh, you know, as a as a really bad team. They really were not in the market or should not be in the market for a veteran quarterback. Uh, the New York Jets using him as a backup for uh, Sam Darnold is not totally cuckoo, but um, you know they also um, blame the entire offense on the quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold uh, or whether it's the backup, namely Flacco. Uh, they view the entire offense as the result of the quarterback's play and nothing else. So, um, despite the fact, you know, let's go back to um, Flacco's uh, 2022 season. 
what did Flacco actually do? Flacco, uh, in addition to throwing f for 300 yards against the Browns, he had uh, three consecutive games where he had uh, pretty decent uh, um, yardage totals. Like, let, me, let me cough this up for you just a minute. Okay, Mr. Flacco. Okay, Flacco threw for um, Okay, game logs, 2022. Mr. Flacco threw for 309 against um, Baltimore. Threw for 307 against the Browns. Yeah, by the way, that was, I said earlier, it was the week one. It's week two that he threw for 307 against the Browns. And then followed that up in Cincinnati with 287 yards. Oh, see that? 309, 307, 285. Oh, he's going downhill week to week. Well, time to bench him. So, yeah, he threw for uh, only 285 yards. So, yeah, it's obvious the trend is downward, and so they benched his ass. And then they went to Buffalo and uh, lost uh, 20 to 12. So, you know... It didn't matter that uh, Flacco had uh, three games in which he averaged 300 yards passing to open the season. Um, instead, they wanted um, they wanted to have their young quarterbacks. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I don't know why, but Game Four was. Uh, Maybe Flacco got injured or something, but Mike White came in and threw for 268 yards. Um, Mike White's a pretty good quarterback. I don't know why they didn't keep him around. But I think the idea was uh, in 2023 that they didn't want to have competition uh, for Zach and, um, you know, that that might hurt his feelings. So even though they brought in... Uh, you know, their superstar in Aaron Rodgers. They said, well, Zach, we still like you, and we think you're going to be our quarterback uh, in maybe three or four years when Rodgers finally retires. And so we're going to get rid of the other guys. We'll get rid of Flacco. We'll get rid of Mike White so that uh, your feelings won't be hurt. We're not going to bring in another veteran, and um, you can be the backup to Rodgers. And so they did that. And now they find out that um, that he can't play, or apparently he can't play. We really can't calibrate that because they didn't get a good sample of what Rodgers could actually do behind the Jets' offense. And um, and by the way, I, I should also mention that in the 2022 season, they lost both of their starting tackles. And so... Um, um, Zach uh, had to be running for his life on every play. I don't think he's a very good quarterback uh, at this point in his development, but certainly 
if you're not going to block for him and you're going to get him sacked all the time, there's no way um, there's no way that Zach Wilson is going to be able to perform. It's just not possible. Now this season they are also having problems all over the offense. It's not just the quarterback. Uh, <coughs> and uh, it's just about the most messed up, dysfunctional organization in football. It's like the Cleveland Browns used to be where they would bring in a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach every year and expect instant results uh, from a rookie. Uh, this is just not possible. So um, what we're seeing now from Flacco is you know, the way that, that we can expect that he's not really super familiar with the uh, offense. He's uh, throwing touchdown passes, but he's also turning the ball over more than we'd really like to see. There have been three defensive scores that are attributable to turnovers. Um, but he's been, you know, surprisingly good, and especially early on. I was shocked to see that he could throw the ball 40 times in a game, and the Browns still won the game. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but it's not a panacea. It's not like it's automatic victory every time he hits the field. It's not like it's an automatic score every time he throws the ball. Um, but, yeah, we can, we can win with Flacco. I also think we can win with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And we already won against San Francisco uh, with P.J. Walker. So I don't think that that there's any reason to give up hope depending on who the quarterback is if you're the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that's basically what I wanted to say about the journey of Joe Flacco is that he went from Baltimore where I think it was a, a fair test of his ability and I don't really think he failed anything in Baltimore. It was more of a case that when Lamar Jackson fell into their lap they had to go with that and that meant changing the offense and it was just sort of time for Flacco to move on. It was not really his fault. Um, and, you know, Denver was just a mess when he arrived there. And New York is just a soap opera for quarterbacks. And it's not going to change when Aaron Rodgers goes into uh, summer training camp next season, allegedly healthy. Uh, he is not going to turn around that offense. It's still going to, it's still going to be a mess. Um, he's not Superman. You may think he is, but I think it's, it's going to be a difficult uh, time for him as well. So um, I think that the Cleveland situation has really turned around 180 degrees, that the Browns now believe that they can win with a backup quarterback, with anybody that lines up behind center, they have a chance to win. Uh, they're better when Deshaun Watson plays. He's still better than anybody else that they have. I'm not sure that he's $230 million better and six draft picks better, um, but he is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, and he does present the Browns with the best chance to win. He, unfortunately, of course, is not available due to injury, but it's by no means a lost cause. The Browns can uh, make it to the playoffs, and once they get in, anything can happen. So hold on to your seatbelts, sit tight, uh, let's just see what happens. Let's not give up on the season by any means.
All right, take care, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. See you next time.